Hello from the Financial Times in London. I'm Tom Braithwaite, and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the stories that matter. Tesla has now become the world's second largest car maker by market value, surpassing the combined market value of Detroit's big three, GM, Ford and Fiat Chrysler, and only behind Toyota, despite selling far fewer cars and barely making any money. So what's behind this and will the company be able to sustain it? On the line from San Francisco is Richard Waters, our West Coast editor, and I'm joined in the studio by Jamie Powell, Alphaville reporter. Jamie, you've been watching Tesla for a long time. What has prompted this astonishing surge in its shares over the last few days? I think we'll start off by looking just kind of at the business and what changed over the last few months with the company. They recorded record deliveries in the fourth quarter, which brought some optimism back to investors about the company. There were some worries in early 2019 about the demand for Tesla's cars, particularly with a few government subsidies rolling off, especially in the US, which is most of their demand at the moment. And then we also had Tesla managing to build a new factory outside Shanghai in under a year. And China's electric vehicle market is the largest in the world. So the idea was that Tesla can make cars cheaper, um, the margins will be better, and they won't have to be shipping them across either. And all the mistakes they've made from making their cars initially they figured out, they've ironed out all the problems, and now they'll be able to make them more efficiently as well. So I think people were surprised by how fast that came online, and it kind of showed that the company was beginning to execute, when the problem with Tesla before was always big expectations and then pushing them back six months or a year, depending on what was going on in the Fremont factory. All of which suggests that the company's doing better financially, but doesn't quite explain how the market cap is $140 billion or whatever it is now and the ramp up in the shares on, frankly, zero news. Yeah, I think you've got to detach the business from the share price at the moment because I think the main thing which has driven this rise is that there's a natural feedback loop in markets. Tesla's a very popular brand. It's a very well-known company. It's got a very famous CEO. So it's always been one of the stocks of choice with retail punters. And I think a market cap which is suddenly going up 10 or 15% every day will naturally attract friends of friends. And then on the institutional side, it will attract momentum traders as well. And I think what you've had is a kind of vortex of massive retail interest and momentum traders. The share price went from 180 to 500. Between May and December, it doubled. So you have this massive interest from retail investors, but you've also had for a long time a lot of people who have bet against the company by selling its shares short. So tell us, are those people today financially wiped out or where do things stand? Tesla has always been a stock of interest for short sellers. It ticks a few boxes. It's quite leveraged. It has quite a lot of debt. It's in a new market where we don't know the steady state demand for their vehicles. It's got a promotional CEO, someone who appears on television, who has a media presence, goes to Hollywood parties, is friends with celebrities, and kind of blurs the line between being a public figure and a business figure. And if you know anything about the history of business, you know that promotional CEOs are often a sign of companies that run into problems later in their lives. It's also an extremely capital-intensive industry, which is making cars, which is low margin, high volume, requires a huge amount of expertise. And here you have basically an upstart challenging that status quo. So I think it's a kind of company that naturally attracts short sellers. And a lot of the famous short sellers have been in this name. There's David Einhorn, 
who runs Greenlight Capital, Jim Chaynors, who runs Kinecost Associates. And the question of them being wiped out, it's difficult to say. They all have different position sizing. They have very good risk management. Jim Chaynos runs 70 to 80 short positions, so I don't think it's going to be much of a problem for him if one doubles on him. So, Jamie, one of the people that Elon Musk has attracted, as I think first revealed in the FT, was Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund. We saw data showing that they had sold out now. Have they won or lost on Tesla? And why do you think they might have been interested in the first place? I'm not sure whether they've won or lost, because we also reported last year that they'd hedged their position entirely when the stock was falling. So I'm not sure how long that hedge was lasting. The story was that Saudi Arabia and their sovereign wealth fund had wanted to buy a stake in Tesla. Elon said no, so they bought a stake on the open market, in the secondary market. I guess the idea was they were looking to diversify away from oil, and obviously electric cars are a natural way to do that. Richard, out there in San Francisco, near to the headquarters of Tesla, I thought by now that the company was supposed to have faced serious competition in electric cars. It obviously had this great head start, but I thought competitively they would be in serious trouble by now. And it seems that the market is thinking the opposite. Yeah, I think we're right in the the most interesting year now for Tesla in terms of what kind of lead has Elon Musk really built up and how will he withstand the attack of the entire auto industry? I mean, his great success has been putting electric cars on the agenda. I think everybody else had written them off entirely as a category that was never really going to work or not for many years because the technology wasn't ready. And Musk has set a fire under the entire industry here. You know, I was looking at a list the other day of 22 cars coming out this year, electric cars from all the big car makers that all claim they're as good as a Model 3 or the Model S. And so, you know, this is the time that things really get tough. Normally, moving to an entirely new technology in an industry creates new winners. The old players have to learn an entirely new trick. They have to build new platforms. And by the time they learn it, you know, some newcomers come along and run off with the market. I mean, that's how technology markets work. It isn't how the car market has worked and the car companies have all assumed battery technology, we can master this, it's a commodity and as soon as we need to we can just jump on board and that's kind of what's happening now. In performance terms, price performance, you know, how many miles you can do in an electric car based on how much you're paying for the battery. Tesla has a lead, it's around 30% ahead of the Jaguar I-Pace from what I've heard. And that is something that's built up over many small improvements in the technology and in designing cars to work with electric power most efficiently. And I think one big question here is how long is it going to take the industry to catch up? You know, it could take three, five, eight years. That's a really crucial number now because it speaks a lot to whether Tesla has an edge in the technology. But then even above the technology is all the other things you buy a car for. You buy a car for the brand, for the features, for the styling, the interior. So even if your electric BMW doesn't quite live up to the performance of a Tesla, a lot of people are going to buy a BMW. And that's the world we're moving into here. Richard, for a long time, we've not seen any profits and, in fact, negative cash flow at Tesla. Is that starting to change now? And what is changing it if it is? Yeah, I think the reason the market has got so excited now about Tesla is they feel that this company has really turned a corner. 
And in terms of just free cash flow, which is really the key number here, you know, is Tesla generating cash or is it heading for bankruptcy, which is what a lot of people thought early last year. It generated a billion dollars late last year. It's just strung together three quarters in a row of positive cash flow. Now, that's not going to last at the level it is because it needs to invest in new equipment and new production. We've got the Model Y coming out this year. We've got an electric pickup truck that we've all seen, the Cybertruck, coming out maybe next year. And so, you know, there'll be moments when Tesla generates more profit and less. But I think the key point is it's shown that it can make money at a gross margin level, just the amount of profit it makes per vehicle. It's doing quite nicely. The more cars it produces, the more it can cover these basic costs it has of development and all its overheads. So the model is starting to work, and I think people feel pretty confident about it. I mean, it's still a very long way from justifying anything like the current share price, but at least it's not heading for bankruptcy anymore. And do you think Elon might be tempted to use this soaring share price to raise more billions from investors so he can plough it into new production and new cars? Well, quite honestly, any CEO should be thinking about that. But Elon has shown that he rather perversely doesn't take advantage of his share price when he should. I think part of the problem last year was that Wall Street was crying out for him to raise more capital and build a cushion so the company didn't suffer any financial problems. And he said he wouldn't. Even when the share price was very high 18 months back, he wouldn't raise money. And in the end, he was forced into raising a couple of billion dollars when Tesla's share price, looking back, was really in the basement. So I think he's going to carry on holding out. You know, he said he's got enough money. He'll never need to raise money again. And I think he's going to stick to that. But part of the problem is he can't move any faster than his operations will allow him. He wants to build a factory in Berlin. He's trying to scale up the next new models. But he's limited by just the ability to produce these things and scale up his manufacturing. So even if he could raise a ton of money, it's not clear what he'd do with that. Jamie, what could go wrong now? We all seem to think that he's put Tesla on the right track. He's starting to make money. The competition still haven't caught up. Obviously, the market's going crazy. You've been fairly sceptical about the company for quite a while. Is there still an argument that says Tesla is going to drive into a ditch? I think obviously now the company, you know, by any metric is extremely overvalued. I've just got a sheet in front of me. It's trading at 5.7 times revenues to enterprise value. The rest of the car market trades at between 0.5 and 1 times. I mean, Peugeot is trading at 0.2 times. They're looking like a normal car company now. So the argument might be that they should be trading maybe at a premium to some of their competitors. They've got this first mover advantage. They've got a very good brand. And they've got some new business lines on the horizon, which potentially could make the money. And then on the business side, the kind of things I point out would be that even though last year was a success, it still made a gap loss on an accounting basis. Um, its EBIT margin was down for the quarter year on year, its operating margin. In the second half of the year, its car business didn't grow at all. So the growth was flat. Even though they were producing and delivering more cars, the asking prices had come down so much that they had flat growth. And the overall business in the second half of the year also shrank 2.5%. So that's including the solar energy business. So this is a business that for the moment has gone X growth but is capitalized to be like it's growing 20 to 30% a year. 
So if that continues, that might be a problem. I think there is a question over the steady state demand for electric cars. Has everyone who wants an electric car already got one? And I think that's going to be what we're looking at this year, especially with new competition coming on the market from companies who don't need to make money on their electric cars right away. Richard, you spend most of your days looking at Silicon Valley. It looks like Tesla is being valued like a tech stock. Yeah, I think this is really the key point at the moment. You know, I'm hearing from a lot of investors who are saying, forget the comparisons with car makers. The real question now is, what is the auto industry going to be in a few years' time? And when you see a huge move in a stock like this, I think what it shows is that all the previous concerns, a lot of those previous concerns have gone away. If Tesla is now a serious car maker, what could it become and what could the car industry become? And I think this is a really interesting parallel that when the iPhone came along, Nokia was dominating the mobile phone industry with a market cap of $50 billion. And Apple just created an entirely new category because it wasn't just a piece of hardware. It was a software platform that supported an ecosystem of apps and services and took over our lives. Now, the question everybody's asking is, could cars be the next thing that do this? Is a Tesla a software platform? Is it going to become a platform for applications, for services? Are we going to be sitting in cars? And, you know, let's look way ahead to driverless, where our lives are lived in a different way and this car now becomes the centre of our lives. Now, I'm not saying this is what's going to happen. I'm just saying this is what the market is now asking. Is Tesla the next big hot tech stock? And so that's why we've seen this incredible move in the stock. I think it's going to be very volatile for a while as people test the limits of that theory. There are obvious reasons why a Model 3 isn't the iPhone. But, you know, that kind of is it a tech stock thing, I think is now going to dominate the conversation. The problem with some of its tech riches is it seems to overstate what it can do. So its so-called autopilot that can drive itself has driven several people to their deaths. Has Elon actually cracked the tech? Maybe it's somebody else that is going to come along and give us the really cutting-edge stuff. Well, and this is where the Elon Musk marketing hype comes in. I mean, it's a form of genius. It's very different from Steve Jobs. I mean, Steve Jobs' genius was that he would conjure up the idea of a future product that nobody knew they wanted and make it desirable. And just by talking about things, he created new markets. Musk has his own rather manic variation of that. I mean, it's totally crazy, as you say, that he's claiming these things that really don't work, but he sees the imagination and he is delivering a product that many people are enthusiastic about. Tesla owners are very you know, happy drivers. And so he's created this kind of expectation, a technology-based expectation around his brand that I think is hard for other people to match. And you know, we'll see what he can do in the next few years. Well, for any remaining doubters, we'll play a clip from Elon Musk's latest single released at the end of last month on his Emoji record label. Thank you, Richard and Jamie. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our recent episodes on China's battle against the coronavirus, what the Dutch can tell us about holding back floods as the polar ice melts, or the US Federal Reserve's communication problem, you can subscribe and listen on all the usual podcast platforms. 
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.